1: Welcome to The Beauty of Horror, a podcast dedicated to exploring the unsettling beauty found within our favorite genre. Each episode, I'll sit down with a different guest to discuss a horror film they find particularly beautiful and why. I'm your host, Chandler Bullock, and today's guest is a visual artist with a focus on horror and dark art. You can find his work online under the name of JRG Drawing. Beautiful welcomes to John Green. Welcome aboard.
0: (laughs) Hey, nice to be here. Uh,
1: Lovely to have you. So for those who may not be aware, John is the mastermind behind our absolutely gorgeous cover art. So thank you so much (laughs) for the design, John. Of
0: course, it was super fun to do.
1: I had a blast collaborating with you on this. I know I was very vague with a lot of my instructions, but that's by design.
0: No, I love it. I actually prefer when people give vague instruction it gives me more to work with usually art where people you know they ask like super specifics I tend to fall short (laughs) just because my idea of specifics and their idea of specifics may still not match so the the vague the vague instructions are totally more fun
1: oh well I'm happy that you had some fun with it and as somebody else who's you know creative on demand I know exactly how you feel Mm -hmm. If, if people give you too many things You're never going to do what they want,
0: basically. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's apparent they have a very, very detailed idea of what they want, and it'll never match up.
1: Exactly. Uh, We're going to talk more in detail about your art in just a moment. Before we begin our full discussion, I do want to kick things off with a quote for us to keep in mind about beauty that relates to our topic today and to the film today. This one is as usual for the listeners. I scoured the earth and found something nice from philosophy, and it's a little different than what we're used to talking about because I felt that the film that we're going to talk about also brings up different stuff. So you've already brought in some nice swerves and surprises from the moment you stepped in. <laughs> so today's quote is, A person in the grip of actual terror enjoys nothing. The emotion overwhelms and produces intolerable distress. However, if it is possible to regard a mighty and fearsome object from a position of relative safety or to achieve psychological distance that lessens the grip of fear, then one may observe terrifying things and be stirred with the thrill of the sublime, recognizing might, magnificence, and the ineffable endlessness of the cosmos. I'll reveal who said this a little bit later. But first, John, we'll we'll get back to your work. Going by the images that you create, you have a very strong connection with the the visceral and the macabre. And I was just kind of curious, as I am with most of my guests, where did this sort of generate? How how did you get into this sort of dark imagery?
0: Um, I just think it's really funny. This stuff (laughs) is just humorous. It's lighthearted. and (laughs) I think... Most people who are who are horror fans have the same general boring answer of, oh, I was raised on Friday the 13th from age three to 14. And it's, it's so easy to, you know, I think everybody, when they're young, they have a relationship with horror in some capacity, whether their friends are always trying to show them scary movies, or they, you know, they stay up till 3am watching, you know, Godfather on AMC or something. It's like, we all have these moments that, that kind of plant seeds in our brain. I guess for me specifically, it, it all started about when, you know, I wasn't raised in a strict house. They're all very loving people, but they've never been my parents specifically have never been one to like show me horror. They just Mm -hmm. really didn't care what I saw. You know, it was never like, they never tried to keep it away from me, but they, they never put it in front of me, so to speak. So I was left to discover this stuff on my own. A lot of the times, um, and that's kind of what I did, you know, like the, like I said earlier, your friends will show you horror and stuff like that. We I remember when I was younger, my friends thought it was the scariest thing in the world to watch the TV movie It with oh, Tim yeah. Curry. And that was the scary movie everybody was trying to scare each other with. So I think around that time I started, uh, I had always been like an artist and kitty Drew and stuff like that. I would draw things that kind of interested me at the time. They didn't scare me. I was like, you know, I remember seeing scary movies on TV and just thinking, wow, you know, that's kind of interesting that it, that it scared me. And, you know, as an artist, I kind of wanted to recapture that. And that, that kind of started from a young age. Um, I was always, I think (laughs) one of my first instances of drawing horror was actually inside of a church. My parents used to drop me off during like a, uh, not a daycare, you know, gosh, I was probably 10 or so at the time, but you know, as a latchkey kid, they're, you know, they're at work and I'm not to be left at home. So I would Mm -hmm. go to this church and hang out with kids and, I think I drew like a a picture of Leatherface with a chainsaw up, and they called my my parents, and they're like, you know, he's <laughs> he's drawing chainsaw murderers, <laughs> and my parents had you know nothing really to say about it other than encouraging my my creative endeavors, which was really cool. Wow, but yeah, that that those kind of instances kind of exist throughout my my young childhood career, and they they stemmed into my love of movies and scary movies and going to haunted houses and staying up late, being afraid of the dark and stuff. It's all very fun for me, despite having a lot of like traumatic memories of being afraid of the dark and stuff. I still Mm -hmm. am, but it's all woven together in this big yarn ball of fun. So it's, it's a good little homey place to stay in.
1: The dark can be comforting, even though it's frightening. Of course, I'm also (laughs) still quite afraid of the dark. I found this out at the escape room that I work at because (laughs) it's a very scary place. It's a very dark place. And I realized any time that the, my colleague would go upstairs to go grab the players, and you know we're kind of waiting in our little corners, I would just stand there and think like, "This is how I die." <laughs> I have, like, exactly. Nobody would know, you know. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. I know. I love those moments, though. You know, we 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 sit there in the moment and we feel like incredible fear, but I think we look back on them in a, in a sort of fondness. You know, in the church I grew up in, it was just like this old nineteen fifties church that's been remodeled a hundred times, but there's like mm. this long hallway that just never had lights on. And there's like 20 rooms on each side. And I would like, you know, as my dad would work at the sound booth, I would go and look in all the rooms <laughs> in the empty darkness and open up the closets and the, in the cupboards and look at all the, you know, the, the shit churches have in <laughs> drawers and closets. <laughs> and just, it was just kind of an eerie atmosphere to kind of walk around in and enjoy. So I think, yeah, maybe my fascination with, with fear has has been an old thing, but I guess most horror people will say something like that.
1: right? Interesting you mentioned that with the church stuff because you're bringing up a lot of memories that I had, I, I guess, mm. repressed or just forgot about because <laughs> I used to kind of sneak around our tiny church and I think it was built somewhere like in the 80s or something. Mm. Churches are scary as hell. It doesn't matter how old or nice they are. There's always that <laughs> one little corner that you're like, maybe it's because you're not supposed to be there. And right then, you know they're talking about god's might and the judgment
0: and all that and you're like oh god i'm sinning <laughs> right yeah just uh i'm breaking the rules by going in this youth room to look at the crayons exactly <laughs> i'm surely to face eternal damnation for oh. this
1: <laughs> oh no i'm in the choir booth however am no. i gonna go to heaven now <laughs>
0: exactly
1: <laughs> uh well you know thank you mom and dad for supporting your creative endeavors because you've made of course, quite yeah. a portfolio and uh you know anybody who's listening who hasn't you know, seen more than our cover art. I mean, that's a testament already. I mean, you look at the colors, look at the design, you have a very unique vision in the way that you create your characters and your designs. Um, is this something that you've always had kind of stylistically or is that evolved over time?
0: That's definitely evolved over time. I mean, for a long period of my life, while I would, you know, I would draw, you know, the occasional leather face or chainsaw monster, <laughs> my art mainly focused on I mean, I still, I guess, retain a bit of that portraiture stuff, but I always liked doing... I was the one kid in class who enjoyed doing still life a little bit. Okay. The bananas and apples were really interesting. And then I got into college and took art classes and they would have the models come in. So a lot of my art does focus on like human figure or portraits. I just mm-hmm. think that's where my strengths lie. But yeah, that's... The, the style has... Like the horror style specifically is very much different than like my style if I were to draw... You know, a, a picture of my grandma's cat for her or something. It I wouldn't see. retain my <laughs> my same stylistic approaches that I <laughs> that I take with my horror stuff. But I like to think I have a range. But the the horror stuff specifically has has evolved a lot over the past like four or five years. If you right. were to trace my art back about four or five years, you'd see it's vastly different than what it is now. And hopefully, five years from now, it's different than what it is now. I hope to continue growing. Oh yeah,
1: growth is the best
0: ideas. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, now I'm trying to imagine what a nice like little calico cat's gonna look like with that face <laughs> that we
0: have. yeah, I should do that for my grandma. She loved that yeah, yeah, <laughs> a
1: little fun little uh little Halloween treat there, exactly, <laughs> oh well, that's great, um, and let's see, I think we're getting nice and warmed up. And some of the things I wanted to say, my, I, we're going to, we're going to drift into the film anyway, because I've noticed that a lot of the stylistic choices you have, the colors that you've been using lately, a lot of the mm-hmm. imagery you've gotten in the last, I'd say year or so I've seen has come from this film. Yes. So could you tell everybody, please, John, what sort of film are we talking about today?
0: Oh, uh, well, insidious, of course, is the film we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> but about the film, for me, I approach watching films, horror films specifically, as a visual artist. I do appreciate a good story, obviously, and the writing is something I appreciate. But for for me, like when I, I always go into a horror movie, I'm like, I really hope to see something cool. Like when you know we go to see Hereditary or Midsummer, I'm like, I'm really excited to look at the art and the and the cinematography and the lighting and the colors and the designs of the ghosts, if there's any stuff like that. So I, I approach watching movies like this from a a very wide eyed observant <laughs> the way a writer may read a book, right. observing the writing, not mm. so much taking in the story or characters so much. So for me this movie it's You know, among other things, I have a lot to say about it, but I think for me, mainly what I appreciate about it is it's, it's incredible style. It wears a very gaudy leather jacket with a bunch of ugly pens that are really bright (laughs) (laughs) and you can't help but like the guy wearing it because uh, he's so nice and has a lot of good ideas.
1: Oh, that's that's James Wan wearing this gaudy. That's James Wan wearing it with his
0: spiky red hair or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's such a cool description of the film. I see exactly (laughs) what you're saying, too. It is very gaudy and and very uh, in-your-face with its visual aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, For those who have not seen it, for once, I I made a boo-boo, and I'm just going to admit it here in the podcast. I have been swamped with work, and normally I have a really nice, long, elegant synopsis that I've written out for it, but... I'm going to read out the synopsis they have on IMDb because I thought this was very interesting. And we can go from there. It says, a family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. That is it. They give it what, one <laughs> sentence synopsis.
0: It's about all you need.
1: <laughs> it is pretty much all you need, isn't it? The whole plot of this film is pretty clear cut. It gets a little convoluted, but only in the details, I'd say. When they're trying to make sense yep. of all the rules. And we can go into those details as we go. But I first want to start, indeed, with the aesthetic qualities of it. And I agree that this movie, on a visual level, is very unique. There's some of that visual language that you see in Saw. The, mm-hmm. the kind of stark blues and that grimy kind of uh, almost poisonous, nauseous green that they use yes. in it. And you see it come back a few times in this film. There's this wonderful filter over everything to make it kind of feel like you are kind of waking up. That's how it feels mm-hmm. to me. I don't know if you've like fallen asleep in the sun and then you just open your eyes <laughs> and you have that groggy kind of look in your eyes. Yes. That's how the film feels to me the whole way through.
0: Yeah, it, it, it has a very interesting use of color, which it, it inspired my heavy use of reds a lot in my art this uh. You know, for the amount of people that shit on this movie, it, it, it kind of hurts <laughs> because so much of my style derives from from this this film. Mm. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So when people insult this movie visually, I'm kind of like, oh, that's a lot of my art. And there you're <laughs> <laughs> insulting. Who but, are uh, these
1: people? I don't want to know them.
0: <laughs> no, I, I block them. I don't know them either oh, anymore. You block them. <laughs> no, but th- yes, yeah, this this film's aesthetic quality is especially, you know, for the time it, it, it's kickstarted this, this whole uh, – 2010s horror of, I mean, you know, I th- think Paranormal Activity came out a year or two prior, two or three. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that whole 10, 2010s, 2010s horror very much was like, a, this was like a kickoff for that. And you see its style throughout the 2010s. Uh-huh. But no, visually, I just, I think it's stunning, the the uses of color and the cinematography and the the camera movements. And I think James Wan really, knows how to build tension and keep focus, keep the audience focusing on certain things while retaining a sense of fun. He's not trying to be like Mm -hmm. a pretentious filmmaker about it. I think he just is using his tools wisely.
1: That's a great way to put that. When I was looking up some quotes for this, I thought maybe for once I'm going to go to a filmmaker and see that I can get. But the problem with filmmakers in this podcast is... Finding anything they said about beauty. Usually, the topic <laughs> of beauty just doesn't come up, just as it doesn't, doesn't right. come up in discussions of film in general, usually. Hmm. So, I did find some cool quotes, though. I don't have them in front of me, but I like the gist of them. Like, he was talking a lot about how he would use tools, indeed, or how he felt like, you know, all of the tricks and, and cinematic techniques that he would use, he says, are things that a, the average audience is not going to pick up on. But what's right. important is that they feel them. So he's yes. all about feeling He's all about making you have some sort of aesthetic reaction to what he's done, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. taping something to the wall to make the light shine as <laughs> a certain way or not. We we <laughs> yes. don't need to know that, you know,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, man. There's just so many examples of him using just incredible, you know, visual setups and, and just fun little, I guess a lot of people would call them like parlor tricks, you know mm-hmm. the type of scares that are so on the nose that they're almost silly you know it's like it's like two steps ahead of reanimator for the type of like gags <laughs> you can you can almost see the low budget sticking out of the <laughs> out of the skin of this movie yeah you can with how with how fairly basic a lot of the the scares are the lack of like cgi or polish on a lot of it it's all just left to the wonderful music the the timing the the costumes the cinematography it's all there to do this great balance act (laughs) a balancing act made of uh cardboard and duct tape but it it still is very effective (laughs) it's very fun to watch
1: yeah and sometimes that diy horror can be the most effective just because Mm. because you don't have anything flashy all you have left is the feeling yes so you just know that I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Timing is everything. (laughs) Yes. When it comes to scaring people. And James Wan is like a maestro Mm -hmm. when it comes to the timing of the stuff. You mentioned the music. I want to get to that in a moment. First, I want to ask you, are there any specific shots from the film that strike you that you'd like to talk about that maybe always impress you when you see them?
0: Absolutely. I think everybody who's seen the film has one or two scenes in mind when they think of insidious, they go, Oh, guess the red lipstick demon behind Mm -hmm. Patrick Wilson, when the mom's talking or, you know, the red lipstick face demon when he's up in the window or whatever. Um, I think probably, you know, it's, it's my opinion, but I think that the scariest scene is actually right there at the opening when uh, they're panning through the home and you see the, the silhouette of the bride in the window and she goes past and then she's in the mirror and then we zoom in and she takes up the screen um, I remember seeing that in theater and going, wow, I'm about to uh, shit my pants through this whole movie. If if the movie is to is to be like this for the next hour and a half, this is going to to leave an impression on me for sure.
1: Yes. Oh, that scene for me was also the scariest. I remember when I saw it for the first time, I saw it actually when I was house sitting for someone and mm. they lived in a very <laughs> old two story apartment. You know, the time where like the rattling pipes are still in the walls. And it's your own pipes, so it's even scarier because you can't really (laughs) control it. We were just kind of cat sitting while they were away. And we're like, hey, let's go see a movie. And we went to go see Insidious. And I didn't think much of it. I thought, "Ah, it's a horror movie. I'm going to get to see this. But the trailer, I thought, was not cut very well. So I thought, (laughs) oh, man, how did this make cinemas? Okay. So I thought it was going to be an easy night. And then I just remember that of all the things that we saw, the thing that really just kind of fucked me up and kept me awake the whole night was that woman's face handle every time I so scary shadows
0: she was with the music and everything that is so fucking good that like i just can't help but think of it i'm just like you know the the score the lighting the, the camera movement the fact that I can't escape this and we're just like mm-hmm. going down the roller coaster of into this this bride's face it's just it's so scary <laughs> and I don't think I think the rest of the film does have a lot of scary moments mm-hmm. but that one is still to this day the one that kind of gives me little goosebumps when I see it yeah every time <laughs> I can watch the rest of it with a straight face now but
1: I was surprised how much I was pretty chill I watched it again today for the mm-hmm. how manyth time I don't know but yeah I was just like yep I remember this. Yep. I remember yeah, that. Exactly. And Every time that opening sequence, I forget it's even there. I was like, Oh <laughs> God, I don't like this. Yeah. It's so oh. scary,
0: man. I wish he had kept that. And, and I'm not sure he could have, or it just didn't want to, but that, that tone mm-hmm. that the, whatever he captured there, if he had, if he had retained that for the next like hour and a half, that could, it could have actually lived up to what people would say when they say it's like the scariest movie since the exorcist and stuff like that.
1: Yes, and it's very interesting because the episode right before this one was The Exorcist. So I love that I'm doing these two movies back to back because now we're talking (laughs) about one that is clearly trying to bring the aesthetic qualities of The Exorcist to the 2000s. Yes. And to good effect, I'd say, especially when you get to the score. You know, you Mm. have Joseph Bessata doing an incredible job recreating the different pieces that are used throughout The Exorcist to right. get that same tone. So tonally, I think they achieve it. I just think that they did drop it here and there. Maybe the budget had something to do with it, but right, I'm not too sure.
0: I would say if, if, if maybe their goal, if that was their goal was to bring The Exorcist into 2000s, they might have dropped it. But I, I would like to think I could give them credit for trying to do something unique as well. And I I think a lot, I took, I also took the time to watch the movie today. And while I was doing that, I also took the time to read a lot of the negative reviews on IMDb, (laughs) just so I could get a sort of devil's advocate for the reason people would maybe not much care for this movie. Right. And I noticed a lot of the negative reviews mentioned Poltergeist and Exorcist as a sort of like a launching point for, for their argument as to like what maybe this movie was trying to do.
1: Hmm. That's an assumption,
0: <laughs> right? And I'm wondering if maybe people are confusing doing its own thing in that style with failing to capture something The Exorcist did successfully. I, I hate to always uh, compare movies. If I ever mm. like, if I ever compare a movie, it's usually to, to contrast tones or ideas, and never to like stack up against another movie as far as quality. So I don't like to compare a movie to another movie and go, "Yeah, well, this one's much better." Because at the end of the day, that's subjective, but you can also, you can always, you know, put two films next to each other and contrast and compare them and go, well, here's what, you know, this one did successfully. And here's what this one may have been trying to do, but wasn't as successful about, you know, doing. So it's, it's fun to talk about movies that way, but I, I, I really don't like to like, uh, go, Oh, would you, if you. If you want to see a real scary movie for real horror fans, you should just go watch The Exorcist. Yeah. It's like, I don't think anyone's arguing that this is better than The Exorcist. It's another horror filmmaker trying to make a a, a haunted house movie, you know, like The Poltergeist or something. And he, he did a lot of things successfully, and maybe he dropped the ball on a couple things, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and so, I mean... Could we even say that the other movies didn't drop the ball on some things? There's always something that you didn't love about a film, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. In it. Like when people compare to put a hierarchy on films and mm-hmm. say, well, this wasn't exactly the same as this, or this didn't do what this one did. That is an accurate statement. Well done. There's like, it doesn't really <laughs> change anything about the merits or the flaws of right. an individual property. So mm-hmm. I see it as a bunch of homage. I mean, yes, there is some poltergeist stuff. I pointed out today, there's a moment after they have that big altercation with Dalton kind of throwing everybody around the room. Mm-hmm. You have specs putting all the stakes on his face, right? which, you know, reference to poltergeist after all the, the big <laughs> hullabaloo there and the stakes start crawling around and stuff. Yes. So I think those are just like wonderful little nods just so they can show people who are like-minded to say like, I grew up in the same movies that you grew up on, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, but I'm doing my
0: movie now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's silly to think that, that any movie is just trying to stack up against the greats. Um, mm-hmm. I always like to, to like you said, judge things on their own merits. And I think, you know, I was reading these negative reviews and I go, man, if you would just – if you'd put down your, your desire to, to compare and contrast all of these different movies stacked up against each other to try and find like the scariest movie, then maybe you'd find – you know, a lot of interesting ideas about this one movie, if you just look at it for its own its own efforts and go, well, let's just talk about Insidious through Insidious lens and not Insidious through the Poltergeist lens or the, mm. the Exorcist lens. You know, there's I think there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about with just Insidious without, you know, setting it up on the table next to another great and be like, hey, let's talk about it in, in, in light with Friday the 13th, huh? It's like oh, let's let's not <laughs> yeah. it's a completely different conversation. Let's try that,
1: yeah. We should, shouldn't do it. No, unless of course you're doing some sort of project where that's the whole point mm-hmm. of it or whatever. But if right. that's just you know right. your your basic judgment on something, then mm-hmm. I mean that's the whole point of this podcast is to teach people an alternate way to view things that they haven't built that sort of right lens for themselves. So you know if we look at things from the lens of beauty, mm-hmm. I'm looking then at. Cinematography choices, mm. you know, the way it's framed, the way the filtering is done, the way shots are panned and zoomed and things like this. Good example. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most beautiful shots in the film is in that opening sequence. Yeah, It's when you get the big light at the top of the, <laughs> the ceiling. Like the
0: round light, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they start turning around and then you see mm. the name start appearing through it. I remember that struck me the first time I saw the film and it strikes me every single time
0: yeah. I see this film It's just this a great
1: scene. shot it's a wonderful shot and it shows James Wan, as you said, he, the film itself is not him trying to be some sort of auteur or something, mm-hmm. but he is getting out his artistic desires and needs in certain course, small yeah. sequences there. And
0: man, does he, <laughs> he does a great job with a lot of these shots. He's, he's definitely, you can look at the movie and go, well, he's definitely not just some child with a, with a camera that's running <laughs> around in the yard. He definitely knows what he's doing. I think, uh, the, be- the beauty in this movie is that he's having fun with it. Uh-huh. And I think that's probably the lens that people should look at this movie in is the fact that he's having fun with it. I mean, you look at the, if you watch like the behind the scenes on the movie and stuff, everybody's, you know, relaxed. Nobody's taking this like it's, uh, like no one's method acting for, for, no. the, for the dad part. Like it's people just getting together to make a scary movie, a low budget scary movie. And I think that's where the heart of the film is. I think uh-huh. it's in, in the fact that the movie isn't meant to be heavy. It's not trying to be anything more than what it shows you. I could go into more detail later about that, I guess, as the topics change, but it's, I think it's just a fun movie in that, in that shows through the, through the way that it's shot and the way it's acted and everything.
1: I agree. You can tell everybody had a blast on set and, Patrick Wilson's probably one of the most wholesome people to have on your set. He
0: seems like (laughs) such a fun person. He's like infinitely likable in everything he does. (laughs) And I think that's why he's such a huge part of the Conjuring universe. I think most people go to those movies just to see Patrick and Vera just be like the ultimate power couple.
1: Exactly. Some some people have had a lot of problems with the fact that it's the Warrens, and I'm right,
0: I, I have my yes.
1: problems with that too. But I, every time I watch the movies, I, to, I just totally forget all the things I don't like because I'm just like, "You're such a nice couple. I like."
0: Them. Right. It's like you have the the real life Warrens, and then you have the the Conjuring Warrens. Yeah. <laughs> but just View them as different people.
1: Exactly, and it shows that you know James Wan. Makes a really laid back and fun set. And I mm. think you have to, to make some really dire stuff. I've also heard yep. tales from movies like Hellraiser, for instance, how mm. much apparently they had a blast playing around with all the props and laughing and making jokes and doing all of kinds course. of stuff. And, you know, that's one of the most de- like depressing and horny films ever made. <laughs> and, you, you know, they're just going, oh, look how crazy this is. And insidious, I think, really wants to show you that though. It's actually mm. sharing a bit of the fun because essentially they just put Patrick Wilson in a dark room and just scared the hell out <laughs> of him around. for an
0: hour. <laughs> yeah, it is great. You can tell that the like everybody's in like uh, the Halloween horror night's makeup and yeah. just running around going boo in each other's faces. And I think that's super fun.
1: <laughs> Which uh, one of my favorite things in the film actually the ghosts. The mm. way they do these ghosts, I love that when you get into the further, we see them as a kind of living to blow. So yeah, you know, I love that first you see them completely still, and then they finally zoom in when you have Josh leaning in to see like what's going on over here, and that's when you can see that the dad's hands are kind of shaking. Yeah, the so good. <laughs> eyes blinking—really tiny little details. Uh, that had to be really really spooky to film though. <laughs> I would not want Yeah, to you know, it's it's
0: interesting cuz you know, I think the average horror director might have said, well, know, we have to freeze them in time. Don't let don't mm. allow them to be like paintings in the in real life, but the idea that they're just shaking and moving a little bit and blinking. I think that's that's even more terrifying and requires a lot less budget. <laughs> than a lot less. than trying to freeze them.
1: <laughs> the intelligence on the f- filmmaking scale here is impressive because Mm. they get around that budget and you can see it in certain shots. You know, I think mainly when we have natural light in the film is where we can see it the most that they, they had the cameras that they had and this is, you know, what the filter Mm. did to the look of it. But everything in the further works for me because they were very smart and tried to just not so much work around your budget, but just work with what works basically. Yeah, You know I think they would have added more if they could have and I'm kind of happy they didn't.
0: Yeah, I think the uh what is the the term necessity breeds innovation. Yes. <laughs> so I think the lack of budget, you know, in the the same way someone might say oh holy grail is the funniest movie ever because
1: mm.
0: you know, they couldn't afford horses so they had to use the coconuts. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so you know, it, when you can't afford to to do a big CGI ghost, you you have to lean on your actors and your cinematography and your lighting and your, you're just, your smarts a little bit. And I, and I think that shows.
1: And I think it's also a, why it's a great candidate for the podcast. I was super excited when you brought it up. I, as you said, anybody who is a fan of insidious immediately thinks of specific scenes mm-hmm. when you hear the word. Yes. And, uh, happy to hear. I wasn't the only one who th- who thinks of that, that <laughs> creepy woman with the candle at the beginning of the movie. It's
0: such a shame that they they you know they brought her back in part two, and it's a yeah. very you know problematic uh, sequel and storyline. But mm-hmm. I don't think they intended with the first movie for it to be to have a sequel. So I like Probably to not. view it in this like contained. You know the 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 fun thing about the the Black Bride, you know, is that she doesn't have a story. She's just like yeah. this gross entity reaching out for Josh and there's nothing more that's said about it and i think that's that's, that's infinitely more scary than than adding some large backstory but yeah i agree yeah, that, that, that that old movie. lady's going to haunt me forever
1: if they didn't do the damn photos at the end of the movie too <laughs> you know when they're showing josh <laughs> at the least J. they were good oh.
0: photos at least they were pretty spooky but so yeah spooky. They, they were yeah
1: no but i'm saying that it would help my emotions that's what mm-hmm. really got oh. me just seeing her get closer and closer yes. and close no 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 no. i love it i love it but yeah, i okay. hate it at the same time oh, I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's what gave me nightmares it was done a little too well I was like damn you with your photos
0: yeah i'm not no one can take my picture for the next 20 years because this will happen exactly.
1: i don't want old women in my photos <laughs> be gone So the reason I brought the quote, I'm going to talk about that a little bit then soon, Mm -hmm. because I think we are touching on stuff that talks about it pretty nicely. Normally, I bring in a quote that's strictly about beauty, and this time I did not. I brought out something that had to do with the sublime. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring this up because part of this, you know, for people who do listen to every single episode, they're they're going to notice a a gradual progression in the discussions that we have on that scale, Mm -hmm. at least on that side of things. So now we're getting into territory where the best way to talk about something is sometimes to talk about what it is mistaken for or where it sort of overlaps. To, you know, understand something else that links to it. Mm. And I don't know, are you familiar with the concept of the sublime?
0: Mildly. Mildly. Teach me. Teach me. I will teach you,
1: sir. I'll teach everybody. Everybody gather (laughs) around and listen. So (laughs) the sublime is A is an aesthetic concept that is when we are confronted with images or situations, you know, anything could be something in nature. Most likely it's an art, though, of course, that is terrifying, that instills fear that could destroy us. But we have this extra step where we are safe from them. That's why usually films, paintings, even music tend to err more on the side of the sublime. Uh, the music in this movie, I think is a very good example. It sounds very devastatingly dangerous, Mm -hmm. but we know that it's not coming from a source in our space from a thing that's actually attacking us. There's enough distance there that our fear turns into awe and we see the majesty of it. You know, there are a lot of films that have this. I think the color out of space is a really good example (laughs) where they're staring at it and like, it's so beautiful but that's because they don't feel endangered by it, even though right. <laughs> they should. Uh, There's a much different uh, emotion there uh, from the character's perspective. From our perspective, you can look at things and just be just completely overwhelmed. Uh, some paintings that were very famous have people who are standing at waterfalls. You could have things like glaciers and, and, and um, avalanches. That's the word I was looking for. So if you have like an avalanche mm-hmm. and you see it on screen, I know that my partner, for instance, is terrified of giant storms and stormy weather in the water and the ocean. So anytime we Mm. see it in a movie, I see her sublime reaction. She has this whole, oh, nope, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. But she can't look away kind of thing. And I bring this up because I'm talking about the beauty of horror. And it sounds very similar when we talk about it this way because there's an appreciation. However, in philosophy... Beauty is often given the designation of straight-up pleasure. We get this from Emmanuel Kant. He made a very strong distinction between pleasure and delight. Delight being a bit lesser, something that makes you giddy, makes you smile, whereas pleasure is really something you hold on to, and it's cathartic, and you can actually get better through it. So I bring it up because for me, Insidious is an incredibly sublime film. If we think of the story, if we think a lot of the scares in this film. Hmm. It's not lacking beauty of any kind. I, I've already mentioned I love a lot of the cinematography of this film. Character designs are wonderful. There's a lot to find beauty in. But of the films I've spoken of so far, with maybe the exception of The Exorcist, but I find these two very similar. So I thought this one, mm-hmm. being blatantly trying to scare you every five minutes, <laughs> falls more into the sublime because we are sharing the fear and the terror of the characters with just enough distance mm. that the demon's not coming for us. <laughs> Um,
0: yeah, no, that's a a great way to describe this movie. It is kind of a visceral movie for sure. You know, other people have different opinions on that. A lot <laughs> of people sure they claim they laugh through the whole movie, but I guess maybe it's just a different type of horror for some. But yeah, those those types of things, like the uh, like we spoke about that scene at the beginning, you do feel a sense of dread. <laughs> with mm-hmm. certain, Im- with imagery. And uh, and I think that's what I like to toy with. I try to toy with it in art and I definitely seek it out in movies. Like I spoke with about earlier, like when I go to a movie, I'm like, I really hope I see something that, that, that puts me on my ass, so to speak. <laughs> because I just think that's so fun to, to. you know, I'm someone who's actually, actually scared of roller coasters and actually scared of flying. Same. So I don't like to actually be in the terror. So this is the, the closest thing that I can get to, to feeling that dread. Not that that's why people ride roller coasters, but uh, (laughs) I avoid them for that reason, but it's, it's kind of, there is a bit of safety equivalent of wearing 20 seatbelts, knowing that the, the the lipstick demon can't jump out of the screen and scratch you. Yeah. Not yet until we get a new type of TV out or something, Mm. but until then, this is the the closest thing we can get. And I think that's a, it's a fun little dance to have seeing movies like this, like, uh, you know, the, you know, you mentioned any of the, the top 10 scariest movies ever. This one, I think, has a little bit, a few extra pinches of fun in it. So it's a mm. little more of an entertaining type of horror. Whereas, like, you know, something like Hereditary, it's like viscerally attacking your spirit and soul and leaving you to cry right. at night in your bed. And um, this one leaves you a little bit more of that, that, that fun scared where it's like, oh, I'm going to run down the hallway because I'm scared something's chasing me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like, oh, nope, 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 nope.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that... I think that's the horror I prefer at the end of the day. I think there's a lot of power behind the movies like Hereditary or however, whatever, you know, auteur horror movie may come out. Mm-hmm. There's there's definitely a lot of power in those, but I think there's a, a separate but equal beauty in the, the fun side of horror, which I think is why I picked this movie. There's obviously a lot of other movies that I could have talked about, but I think Insidious is special to me because it's the one you can just have fun with and be scared of. Just I think I remember I was speaking with my partner about it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about how the movie really has low stakes. Right. But not not in the sense that like, you know, there's nothing bad that could happen to any of the characters, but there's there's this sense of there's this undercurrent of everything's gonna be alright. That kind of yeah. goes throughout the whole movie. You know, you're you're uplifted by the fact that the parents really love each other, and you're uplifted by the fact that they really care for the son, and that the you know Lynn Shay's character is really trying to help everybody, and Specs and you know his friend are really trying to do their best to to solve the problem, and you you kind of feel like you're with this 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 superhero team that's that's trying to really be there for everybody, and and you know you know after having seen it, you know it ends on a happy well. You know, it has a happy ending, despite the the, yeah, uh, yeah. the setup for the sequel or whatever. But yeah, there's just an underlying sense of positivity despite all of the scariness. It's not trying to. You're you're kind of there with the characters and their fear. You
1: mm-hmm. know, it's not the
0: movie trying to scare you. It's like we're scaring the characters, and you're there with them, and you're mm-hmm. you're kind of you have this like you're like comrades with the characters themselves experiencing. You're holding hands with everybody, going wow, That shit's wild. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's that's kind of the fun of it. Because like, even when you watch it alone, you don't feel like you're watching it alone. You're, you're enjoying it with Patrick Wilson. And who better to enjoy a scary demonic haunted house with than Patrick Wilson? Of course.
1: I mean, he's so comfortable. <laughs>
0: have some tea. Dress exactly. comfortably. <laughs> but yeah, there that safety you get in the, in the distance from it. That distance is fur, further padded by the underlying positivity and positive message and love that the characters have for each other. And it, it kind of makes... You know, it doesn't make the scary bits less scary, but it makes them more. You know, you're. It's kind of like you know, if you're uh, walking through a, you know, a haunted maze with your parents. You know, you're much more likely to look at the monster when your parents are holding your hands, so yes. to speak. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I know I'm safe, so let me. You know, I know that the the guy with the with the pickaxe won't come at me because I got my dad with me. So it's <laughs> like so you can you can kind of let that guard down a little bit and and accept this the horror for what it is and really sit in it and go wow that that really is scary but it, it didn't bother me i think that's right. a term my my parents would say like when we would watch scary movies like i'd come home from watching paranormal activity when i was 14 or whatever and they'd say what do you think of the movie and i'd say well it bothered me And that's that kind of term I would use for, I'm going to stay up for the next two weeks and to sleep. Is it bothered me? I have some thinking to do, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or like Hereditary, it bothered me. I keep bringing that up, I'm sorry. But Hereditary bothered me because it's just so dark. The Insidious never bothered me, despite it making like my top 10 scariest movies list. It never really hit me in the heart as a terrifying experience, despite how scared I was. And I think it's because of that you know, that distance that was put between me and, the, and the, the threats of the movie.
1: I do like when a horror movie does this, because, yeah, it's true, something like Paranormal Activity, by the sheer virtue of being found footage, mm. basically insinuates, this could have happened to anybody. Right. Don't fuck with this stuff. <laughs> they deserved <laughs> yeah. it. It's kind of the point of the film. Exactly. Don't mess with this stuff. Hereditary kind of has the same as well. Don't mess with things you don't understand. And, you know, it goes out of its way to make you more than just scared, it really wants to traumatize you or to pick at your traumas. Mm -hmm. I can really love a movie like that if I'm in the mindset for it, but it's it's interesting. I never really thought about Insidious as that fun kind of Halloween Horror Nights type of film, but it's exactly what it is. In fact, Mm -hmm. the camera even puts you in that position by walking around constantly just creeping up on the ghosts, getting a nice good look at them. And kind of teasing you with all these different scares. But they don't put us in the shoes of the people in the film to such a degree that they want us to feel their fears and their sorrow, honestly. There's a lot of sorrow in the film. And I'm sure there are really good readings on that. You know, There's a space for multiple readings of any film. Mm -hmm. But I would say that you have to have that lens on for this one where there are other films that are designed to throw that in your face. That's kind of like your initial response to it. Whereas Insidious's initial response is just to make you kind of cheer and laugh (laughs) at your own stupidity. I laughed. I actually started my MA thesis originally was going to be on the line between comedy and horror. Mm -hmm. So where do humor and, or not even humor, where does the, the function of laughter and the function of screaming, how do they overlap? Because when I was watching Insidious, there's one scare in here that really, really got me and I really appreciated it was when Josh just goes into the house and you're seeing all the ghosts inside the house when he's inside the further and yeah. you have one scare already happens. So if you're used to the rhythm of a horror film like this, you're like, and another one and that <laughs> exactly. thing happens. And then in that moment where you're like, oh, OK, boom, a lady goes up the mm-hmm. stairs Yes. I just remember I didn't scream, but it was like the biggest jolt I felt the whole film. Like I like gripped my chair and I just remember <laughs> I was like, ha ah,
0: really loudly
1: <laughs> in the crowd. I'm sure people thought that I was being a jerk, but I was right. laughing at how scared I was by that particular jump scare. The same when you have the face, the guy who's standing behind the baby carriage.
0: Yes, uh, I think that's happening. the best jump scare in the movie. Yeah, that's uh, insane. For, for a couple of reasons, yeah. I mean, I think it, it does set you up for it. I think it's a very successful jump scare in the sense mm-hmm. that it's it's not false. I love that. Something I think we all want a little bit more of in horror. There are a lot of jump scares in Insidious, and I'm definitely an advocate for less jump scares. But I think what gives this movie a huge golden ticket is the fact that they're they're not false. Mm-hmm. You know, they set you up for jump scare and then it happens and it's the bad guy. And the fact that you turn that corner with her and you the, the beauty of it the, the 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 genius of the scare is that it gives you about a second to for your own eyes yeah. to analyze what's what's going on and then the it's almost like they they got a scientist on set. They're like, how long does it take for a person to notice a face? (laughs) And they're like, they're like, Oh, it takes about a second and a half. And they go, all right, at a second and a half, we're going to cue the scary music. (laughs) And it's like, right at the time where your brain realizes there's somebody there, the music kicks in. And it's almost like you get two jump scares in one. It's like putting a, you know, someone plugged an amplifier into my heart or something. It's just like, I'm like, Oh shit. It's, it's real. And then like, you know, she starts screaming and of course nothing really happens, but it's a beautifully executed little jump scare.
1: Yes, actually, that made, you just made me think of something. You know, if I think of the beauty of it, you're talking about the beauty of the fun, which I love. By the way, yes. we're kind of analyzing the beauty of fun, which is a topic mm-hmm. that needs to be explored more in academia. On that note, another thing I find beautiful about the film, the part that maybe you find where the fun is coming from and why it's not as dour or soul destroying some other horror movies. <laughs> Is that it almost feels like James Wan is talking directly to you. Yeah. The filmmakers, the cast, the crew, everybody are playing out a scenario that you are experiencing. So, you know, that scare alone, we respond when Renee responds. Mm. So we are, in a sense, Renee. Yeah. But then the movie just keeps going. and just said nothing really happens, just like you would at a haunted house. <laughs> it's not like there's no stakes right. for us. <laughs> Exactly, and it's just a ghost, like we see throughout the rest of the film, It's just ghosts, and sometimes in fact, actually, I think that when the circumstances become very dire in the film is when it actually isn't very scary, it's just yep. more kind of cool,
0: yeah, exactly I think I don't think anybody actually thinks that the the bit with uh the lipstick face demon in his layer where he's getting his son out of the chains I don't think anybody actually thinks that's scary some people I'm sure, but, but it's a hell of a thing to watch, I think it's 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 aesthetically amazing little yes. set and the the poor dreaded overused tiptoes through the tulips playing <laughs> while he messes with his dolls and sharpens his nails and stuff I'm like this is such a beautiful like uh, who's doing this in horror movies where they're just <laughs> right? having fun and being silly and yeah put them put him in an avant-garde you know makeup set and Play some shitty music and we'll, <laughs> we'll pull the camera real in close to his uh, magnifying glass that's on his face. And I'm like, yeah, it's just so theater and, and it's mm. so it's wearing a feather in its cap. But it's the like, oh, God, you could put it on with that ugly leather jacket. You could, you can could put the biggest, <laughs> ugliest feather in this hat. And it's it somehow the outfit works. You know, it's like wearing drag or something. And you're just mm. going, wow, this is beautifully, you know, just wild and big. And I think that's that's where the fun of it lies, and I think a lot of people would laugh at that, and I think that's valid to think it's silly, but I think in the context of a horror movie, there's a great contrast there in, the, in like this wild, weird playfulness of the of the demons you know in this context of this horrible situation. you know maybe there's something we don't understand about this this further and the playfulness of it that really kind of contrasts in an eerie way with the, like I said the eerie situation they're in mm-hmm. It's very fun. <laughs>
1: I love that you mentioned the theatricality of it all. And it made me think about how you're right. People may laugh at it, but then I think it's because they have a fallacy in their minds. Mm. They think I'm going to a movie. So they have a preconceived notion of what the movie's supposed to be, how they're made, how they're set up. When what you got was a movie that was trying to give you a theater experience. So you should laugh with it because it's. It's not like it's a comedy. It's not like the filmmakers don't take themselves seriously. I think everybody in the film, you know, really appreciate their own work and, you know, take that stuff seriously. But they know that the movie that they made is just a good old time. And that's what it's meant to be. So if you end up laughing, hopefully it's not to say that you somehow are superior to the product that you're seeing when really you're losing out you're actually not at all in a position of superiority if you're not just going way hey and treating it like the the big cabaret show that it is
0: i think that's the benefit of going into a movie with an open mind um mm-hmm. i know people say to do that all the time and i don't mean to sound like a like a film elitist being like ah, just accept anything that's shown to you but it is it is good that's Like I've spoken about before, like when I go see a horror movie, I kind of go in there with an open mind. I I hope to see certain things, but I also Mm -hmm. will like kind of accept it's like, you know, color out of space with the most wild movie. And I don't think uh, (laughs) I don't think anybody knew what to expect with that. But I mean, it was so out there that it's almost like it kind of broke through that mold of the of the, you know, what to expect. It's like, well. It's obvious it was trying to do something unexpected, so you just accept it for that. But when something you know when you lay expectations on something and it and it breaks those expectations it's it's a shame that that's a disappointing quality for a lot yeah. of people. I don't think anybody went into insidious expecting that final act.
1: no, I think everybody was expecting more or less the opening that we saw mm. and then the jump scares, of course, like the just the gnarly. The stick demon scare behind Josh's shoulder, of course, those are the moments that Mm. the movie kind of promises in the trailers and stuff. But even then, like I said, when I saw the trailer to it, I didn't expect much from it because the trailer actually is pretty honest about what the movie is. If you go back and watch it, it is more just kind of like, this movie's really scary. It's going to (laughs) be terrifying. The most dark thing you'll ever see, which I automatically think like who's taking the piss on this movie. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's like probably this guy. Of somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah. This voiceover is not, this person is not at all impressed. No, and I don't think that they ever wanted you to. I think they wanted to be like, oh yeah. Uh huh. How scary is it? I think that's the attitude they wanted you to have. <laughs> yeah. it, you brought up reanimator. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have the eighties if we weren't able to sit back and just take the creativity ingenuity and aesthetic insanity that right filmmakers can provide you mm. somewhere along the lines we seem to have lost that as a as a collective viewing experience for some reason yeah but i mean the whole entire i mean i would put the thing and and, and reanimator and even some of the later halloween films that popped up in the 80s the, the the bombast of these films they're all good but they're all good for different reasons and have different right criteria that, that i like about them but you can't mm-hmm. say to me that, you know, anything that Stuart Gordon was doing wasn't just excessive and really <laughs> hard to digest.
0: <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I think the, the, that kind of hits on the point that you you talk to the horror community, God bless them, and uh, <laughs> they, they tend to really, like we talked about earlier, compare movies to each other. They don't mm-hmm. do that with those 70s and 80s movies. You don't see them going – Huh. Uh, well, you know, Halloween three wasn't as good as the exorcist. It's like, yeah, but everybody, nobody talks shit on Halloween three. Really? People love it. Uh-huh. I mean, people, people love Halloween three and they love Halloween and they love Halloween two and four and five and six and eight and 10 and 11. And <laughs> they, they love the exorcist and they love the thing and they love the blob. And, and like these movies are just as guilty of the shit that you're putting on, on insidious. And, and you know, and it's, it's like, what is it about, you know, these I think modern horror is doing a lot of great things, but it's a, such a shame that it's held under this umbrella of judgment and it's, it's being stacked up against so much old stuff when when the things you're criticizing it for, you know, exist very much so in things like Sleepaway Camp or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> anything just as wild or silly or, or laughable. Like Halloween has funny moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Why am I not allowed to laugh with my scary movie? It's just because you were laughing. Doesn't mean it's not successful, right? Like you were saying earlier, it's theater. We're supposed to enjoy whatever emotions it's a it's a it's a story. I think it would be silly to have a one note experience where it's like, oh, I'm seeing a scary movie. I better not cry because mm, I'd, I'd exactly. hate to see some kind of drama in my my horror movie.
1: But why? <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a,
0: <laughs> but I think that 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 dance of genres that that Insidious does. You know, it's got a bunch of jokes. It's got some somber moments. It's got scary mm-hmm. moments it's got fun moments it's got lighthearted moments and like you're you're creating this great you know meal on this plate here i'm not just eating a bunch of mashed potatoes i'm eating you know steak and mushrooms and <laughs> <laughs> you know all sorts of beautiful stuff with asparagus and whatnot and i think that's what makes it such a, a uh, palatable movie if you allow that oh, i like it it's it's a very varied experience for better or for worse for some people but i think that's why i love it
1: It's a great love letter to the types of movies that inspired it.
0: Mm.
1: And so I can see why in certain ways, usually aesthetic. This is where aesthetics can get in the way sometimes and why Mm. aesthetics are not talked about a lot. Because without a lot of work to understand how to talk about aesthetics, it is easy to get trapped into, oh, well, this looks a lot like The Exorcist in the filter mm. and it has the same yep. type of soundtrack as the exorcist. So but why isn't it as serious as the exorcist? Well, <laughs> exactly. you know, because yeah. it decided not to be as, you know, darkly serious as the exorcist, or if you do want to compare it to the, you know, the poltergeist one, Oh, but it took the fun of poltergeist and had a lot of fun with that. But, Oh, but why isn't it as cute as poltergeist? Why did it kind of <laughs> decide to be a bit more adult and actually too scary for my taste than the poltergeist? So, if you get caught up in those aesthetics and really look for something specific too harshly, you will just say, it's not what I want. and You you, you mm. missed the assignment, as people would say on the internet. You, you did not know the assignment. Okay. And you didn't do a good job with it. When the assignment was what was made, it's art. So Yeah, exactly. It's not to say that there aren't bad films. Of course there are, but that's when we get into technical things. And this is not a bad film. The acting is good. The script is fun and pretty tight as well. There's no major plot yep. holes. It's convoluted, but I think it's convoluted because that's fun. It's a kinda <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's fun to have little like uh, rules yeah. to the world that they set yeah. up. I mean, like you read the synopsis, it's a you could finish this movie in two minutes if yeah. if you you know just it's a it's a father rescuing a kid, and it's it doesn't get much more simple than that. But it's fun that cre- they created this little world that's not based on any. You know previous cliche it's like you know the the speaking into the gas mask to translate so cool you know or having her like you know you, instead of showing us the demon we've seen like the the roof uh, this this dark roof mm-hmm. and she's whispering and he he's you know he's listening to her whisper and drawing drawing the demon you know that's how i do my art i hire a right. medium and they come and describe what they see in the corner and i draw a I new yeah, <laughs> I knew it.
1: It was from the other world where you got yep, your inspiration. It's, it,
0: yeah, <laughs> other people <laughs> feed me my feed me my ideas through a World War II gas mask, but that kind of stuff is just so you know, it's so out there and wild and interesting. And I think that's the you know that's the fun of it. It's not trying to rehash all of these old old ideas. It's trying to create something new and visually stunning and interesting mm-hmm. and and fun. And yeah, I think that's we should give it merit it, for that. It's it's. You know, if all I did all day was watch movies and and go, oh, it did that thing that Reanimator did, you know, where he bites his finger off. That's a you point towards this movie. Then I'd probably <laughs> hate watching movies because it's just, you know, I'm constantly thinking about yeah. what I'm not watching.
1: <laughs> Fair. We should definitely appreciate the things that we are given, right. and then try to see what we can discern in in a, de- a deeper way from there. If you want to, if you if you don't, you don't, because I can imagine right. there are people. You know, if you're a parent and you're watching this movie, the, it's going to hit way different. Of course. And I think they set it up so well, too. You can see that the movie wants to be fun because I think any other film from 2010 onward that would have done a story such as this family moved to a new house to start a new life because they had some trouble past that we don't know anything about, by the way. Hmm. We just know that Renee was not happy in the previous house and this time it's going to be different. But that's the only line that we get. <laughs> then... They have their son go into a coma and they get haunted. Any other film would have actually focused on what was the dark past? Is this going to be a yes. plot point that's going to come back? Does it have to do with the kid? Does he have you know, look at Sinister? That movie's really designed to scare and traumatize you as you go along. It's got some of the most effective scares because it's horrifying stuff. Yeah, you're supposed to feel what Ethan Hawke goes through in that film, which is just I can't believe what I'm watching. So you need to understand every little intricate part of this family and why they're breaking apart so that when we do our scares at the end of the film, it makes sense. Whereas Insidious is like, I don't know, life is just scary sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. And although we have some of this dark stuff, we don't want you to dwell on that. So we're going to give you 10 minutes of build and we're going to have the first haunting within the first five minutes. Yeah. That is ambitious.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that it doesn't dwell on this drama and like darkness that like a a lot of horror movies might have tried to dive into like you said there's like a uh, I was watching the movie today and I was like you know they didn't really spend much time with Dalton in a coma you know before they started inviting priests over cuz like any other movie would have shown him fall off the ladder the family would have started screaming had babies uh-huh. crying and they would have shown the drive to the hospital going turn left here no turn right, right up here and it would have been this whole 10 minute scene of him being pulled through a gurney you know through the hospital you know, everybody's screaming and is my son going to live? And it's like, they skipped all of that, kept the music to a somber tone and mm. just a hard, hard cut to the doctor going, yeah, we don't know what's wrong. And then they, yeah. they're back at home and the nurse is showing her how to, you know, put tubes in her son and stuff. And I'm like, this is a good way to maintain a sense of progression in the film without yeah. like trying to, you know, force a lot of emotion on me. It's like, we have better things to do than, than dwell on just negativity. It's like we're trying to do a horror movie here and not depress you. It's like I guess we could spend 20 minutes in a hospital exactly. but that's not fun.
1: <laughs> no, cuz it's not the movie they were trying to make, you know. Right. Uh, James Wan is a very fun director. He did the same to Aquaman with every yeah. other superhero movie trying to make you feel like all superheroes are one step away from suicide, but it's their superpowers that keep them from dying or something. Right. I love how with Aquaman it's like, he, he's got a troubled past like everybody else. I mean, to be a superhero, you do need to have some pretty, you know, extreme circumstances, I suppose, in your life to alienate <laughs> you and make you, you know, live life alone and helping people. But I love how they're like, no, remember those comic books or the Saturday morning, 1960s cartoons where you had one character turn into a bucket of water. Fuck it. Let's do that movie. And now he's got a punch <laughs> of shark in the face. And that's exactly. The you get. <laughs> but you have to rush to get to that. Yeah,
0: I love it. I think uh, Insidious is kind of the horror movie we all didn't know we were asking for. Yes,
1: especially at the time.
0: Yeah. And I think it, I wish it a great resurgence now because I think we've had enough recently of the – first of all, just in general with life, we've had enough with just the negativity and depression. Yes. Yeah. Not to say we should ignore all the bad things happening, but as far as like media and movies and stuff, we're getting a lot of real downers. And it, it's it's I think it's high time we get some some fun stuff. And I think that's where a lot of like the indie films and you know, your psycho gore man and stuff, I think that's <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I'm glad to see that kind of stuff making the rounds and getting some attention. You know, as much as I don't much care for Fear Street, I have my opinions on it. Mm. I'm glad to see that, you know, fun teen slashers are are coming around just for the sake of fun. But, yeah, man, I think we've had enough dramas and, you know, Oscar bait criterion collection horror for a a bit. And I I think uh, we need some middle of the ground, just exciting roller coaster movies like Insidious may or may not be to some people.
1: Yeah, I think that also, if you think of it as an industry, it makes sense that you should have a healthy sprinkling of all of it. Yeah, that there's always a place for, you know, one, two, three. Of those more heavy hitting films. Like, I am stoked as hell for Candyman. I've got to yeah. see this movie. Oh, I'm excited for it. Really, 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 really want to see it. But at the same time, I was so
0: freaking happy with Freaky when it came out. <laughs> I and haven't seen it yet. I just, I've, I've heard I it's like very good. It.
1: Oh, if you want that lighthearted, fun movie that's just here for like a roller coaster kind of ride. So I don't know what your problems were with Fear Street. I had my own problems with I've only seen 1994, and I had some issues with it tonally and just some of the, the setup for it didn't really work for me.
0: Right. But Freaky
1: really just knew its audience really well. It didn't hold any punches. It wasn't holding back at all. But it also wasn't trying to be something mm. that it wasn't. So it really was just like a stoner comedy. It kind of gave me the idle hands kind of vibe, if you've seen that one. <laughs> just this stoner comedy with right. a bit of a Gen Z approach to how the kids behave. Right. So... I can definitely recommend that if you want to have that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. I really do. I've been me. I like. I remember seeing the trailer. I'm like, wow, that's a, a shitty idea for a movie. I want to see it really bad. <laughs> it looks very, very interesting. But I say shitty in the in the fun way, not that it's actually exactly. a shitty idea, but it's just like, wow, what? Who would who would think of doing so something something so silly? I, I love it. And also, how did it take so long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, there's so many of these ideas that I'm like. They say that creativity is dead. There's no original ideas left. And yet, every now and then, you get these movies like Freaky or even Insidious where they decided have we seen a person being haunted by every type of spirit you can imagine? <laughs>
0: I don't think I, so. feel like, I feel like they probably uh, didn't tell the producers everything in the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. They're like, oh, we're going to hold some of these aces close to our chest and uh, we'll just give them the, the threes and fours that they really yeah. want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be Saw with ghosts. Yeah, yeah exactly. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. All right, let's put this guy's <laughs> lipstick all over his face and make him uh, make him dance or something.
1: There <laughs> we go. Yeah, nice drag queen demon.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: so you said that this movie inspires a lot of your art, and especially yeah. when it comes to the colors and stuff. So, are there any particular moments that you would like to share that resonate with you that you can keep? You find yourself coming back to if you're like looking for inspiration when you're trying to make some work.
0: Um, Specifically with this movie, like if I was to connect with this movie, yeah, I mean, we've talked at length about the opening scene. I think that's probably Mm -hmm. the biggest um, inspiration for like my my scary faces and stuff that I draw. This movie has a great way of keeping the. I mean, maybe some might disagree, but I think it keeps the the ghosts and demons in a a sort of vague, low light that kind of leaves you with more questions than answers. Is you know, either visually or thematically or. As far as ideas, like the the ghosts and the further, like the family with the gun and stuff, it's like they didn't touch on any of that shit. They didn't give any backstory to them. And I think that's interesting. And it, it that type of, I mean, when you're doing, when I'm doing art, I like to think about, you know, what kind of emotion am I putting into it? Or am I trying to elicit out of somebody as well as the visuals, the colors and the the contrast and stuff like that? I mean, I think Mm -hmm. about that stuff, too. But hell, most of my scary drawings I do, I take five minutes because I'm not not, I don't put too much effort into composition and make sure all the shapes look correct. Make sure the eyes are even. It's like I think when you leave a little bit of room for imagination and a little bit of room for interpretation that the people find the horror in it themselves. And I think that's what you get a lot with uh, like that opening scene or the. You know, we keep the right amount of distance from the lipstick demon just enough. He's always kind of hidden. He's always in the shadows. He's always behind a pane of glass. He's always in a magnifying glass. He's always, you know, Uh crawling or something. You never you don't really get him under a fluorescent light and just have him rotate or something. It's like it's it's nice to to leave a little bit more off the table than on. And I think that's what inspires me. Specifically, like those are the elements I take from the film when I'm doing my art. I mean, a lot of other stuff inspires me too, but like I I think my turn towards that type of horror obviously started with Insidious okay. so yeah, those those the, the type of vagueness and darkness and emptiness that you get with a lot of the the ghosts and ghouls of Insidious is definitely inspiring to my art.
1: It shows for sure. I love how you use shadows in your mm-hmm. work. how everything seems almost like it's kind of leaning out. <laughs> like, like you just caught it and you're like oh fuck <laughs> you, yeah. know, like you did not <laughs> exactly, want to catch that yeah. in your hallway you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that lighting that you've talked about from insidious i can see it shining through haha <laughs> lighting shining <laughs> uh, but you know i can i definitely see it i can't find a not light related metaphor but yes it is there <laughs> it is present in your yeah. work and it is glad, noticeable yeah. there's the simple version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I love to, uh, if I'm not doing scary faces in the dark, I, you know, I do the standard horror of editing a ghost in the hallway and stuff. Cause obviously uh-huh. you just like, you know, the tried and true, put the horror in your house. That's way scarier. Uh-huh. So yeah, I mean that kind of stuff, the haunted house stuff is always very fun just because I think we all have a visceral reaction to, you know, those, those inherent biological fears of, you know, scary teeth and hollow eyes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I try not to play too much on that because I don't think it's as fun, but you know the, the ideas of putting it in the house, in the hallways, and I think that's why haunted house movies are so fun, is just because we can all go home and go, no, I'm not going to the bathroom tonight, because it's uh, <laughs> not worth it, <laughs> so it'll just wait until the morning. Yeah. That, that kind of fear is fun to play with, and I, I, I try to do that a lot with my art.
1: Also, you said that you tended to find still life more interesting than most of <laughs> your contemporaries when you were first starting. Do you still enjoy still life as a subject?
0: Um, I don't know. Uh, it's so like, I won't set up my fruits to draw them anymore. Like okay. I was told to in, in and <laughs> in high school and stuff. I think I, I was interested in steel life because I enjoyed playing with light and arrangements and stuff. Right. I think once I got into college and they brought in the models and I, I got really into drawing like the human form and face and stuff. And then, okay. but I was always very bored with learning anatomy so, I refuse to learn more anatomy because I think that my lack of perfect knowledge on it benefits you know the the uncanniness that I put into uh-huh. you know portraits or or you know my pictures of people or whatever I'm like i think for for horror at least, you know, maybe if my grandparents hire me to draw their cat, it may suffer from not looking like much of a cat. but <laughs> <laughs> as far as this, I think it my lack of knowledge benefits the the horror aspect. I think that that uncertainty with the, you know, you know, how long should the nose be? Not that it should be any length, but you know what I mean? Like, as far mm-hmm. as like anatomical proportions and stuff, you know, when you, when you don't know that kind of stuff, there's a bit of vagueness that's left to it. And that, that, that does, like I said earlier, where it leaves more questions than answers in the viewer's mind. And you go, I don't Well, the, that person doesn't have eyelids. I'm like, well, I didn't mean to do that. But um, if that's scary to you, then that's great
1: you're welcome <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so yeah i think that's uh yeah the the still life thing though it yeah it I've, i fell out of interest of still life not that okay. i you know if if i was to uh like take my ipad with me to the coffee shop just due to my own interests now and stuff i'd probably less likely draw the coffee cup in front of me rather than the person behind it or something like that
1: okay the reason i ask is i as you were talking, I'm going to go about the inspirations that you got from Insidious. Yes, in general, I started to think more about and you because you were talking about the household. And you put the ghost in the yes. house. One thing that I think works to a very instinctual, almost primal level for us in this movie is how Juan has framed items in the house as mm-hmm. if they have a personality. Yeah, I think really good haunted house films do this, especially if you want to use your ghosts more as a concept than as the screeching banshee somewhere in the house.
0: <laughs> yeah. So,
1: and this movie's got a bit of both, of course, but the first two thirds of it try to build, you know, more sound <laughs> design and and looking at the world itself, and it's something that I think is taken a lot for granted when we're watching ghost films and, and supernatural haunting films that grandfather clock i think is a really good example <laughs> yes that it changes positions when they move of course it's in a different part of the house but they always just start with that grandfather clock to kind of show you yeah
0: i mean i think show. uh <laughs> i was i watched a special feature one time where james Wan actually talked about the grandfather clock he he spoke about it being a uh sort of heartbeat of the house it's yeah. always there it's always going it's always kind of like the you know and obviously we're not supposed to, as an audience member to connect with uh the grandfather clock or something but it's this this you know you you introduce elements and you retain them you 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 get the audience familiar with them we take a tour throughout the house which i think is obviously very smart he does it again in the conjuring where yeah. you know like when the family's moving in you follow the family around the house and they show you the rooms and or an in insidiously you know they they take you up the steps and they show you the brothers rooms across from each other in the parents room and Patrick Wilson will go into the kids' room and look at the drawings and stuff, and it's like we really we really get a sense of this space and we we recognize you know where we're at in any given moment. we know where the exits are, yeah, <laughs> we know where they aren't and and you know that that adds that layer of I'm here with them, I'm experiencing this fear with them, I'm holding their hand in the situation, so to speak and That's why I think it's very smart that he goes around the house and shows you the clock and shows you the staircase and shows you the attic and, you know, walks through the kitchen with you in the living room and sits on the floor with the kids with you. Like, you really get a sense of that. And, you know, I think a lot of movies today, if they were to do a haunted house movie, they might spend a lot of time with the kids in the library researching the ghost that's haunting them at the house. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Your bye-bye mans and stuff. You spend more time Uh at the library with the, you know, with the person that knows the legend rather than just at home exploring that space and really grounding the, the audience member in the, into the experience with you. So I think, I think it's brilliant that he does that. And the, like the objects, like the, the clock really cement that, that idea.
1: For sure. And they do this again, in the sequel, of course, cause you have the little walker for the baby becomes an actual plot element to, to show how the hauntings are working. And I liked that they kind of personified certain objects Within Mm -hmm. these spaces to make it really clear, even the house itself. I think that's, that's something that's more normal, I'd say, in just about any good haunted house film. If you're sticking in a location, you always get those external shots of this house just kind of like looking Mm -hmm. at the other houses. (laughs) It's a spooky ass house. And then of course you have the more innocent house that they go into later and it's still haunted, even though they're in this like lower middle class house now.
0: Right. But that's what they wanted to do. They wanted you to go, oh well, nowhere's safe. You know, it's not just the really, you know, eccentric cool house with the twenty front windows. It's the (laughs) it's your house that only has one kitchen. (laughs) Exactly. It's, It's it's you know, they're trying to say you can't escape it no matter no matter if you drive away from the house on the hill, it's like it's gonna follow you to the house in the suburbs, which is I think it was a good choice.
1: I think it's great because it also gets away from a thing that a lot of films make a mistake with, and that is only sticking to one demographic yep. for your scares. There are so many movies I don't really care about because the people in it are just so damn rich that I'm <laughs> like, you're in this huge mansion that's all this history and stuff, and you're the ones messing with it and disrespecting it, I'm like. I live mm-hmm. in a
0: bungalow. I don't like, I
1: don't know what that's like. <laughs>
0: this built These are in rich people ghosts. So I'm never gonna have to worry about this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're like, this was like the projects where they built this shit in the sixties to just make some new, you know, suburban areas. So, um, mm-hmm. no, nah, like I'm more afraid of the dog down the street than I am in my house. Or maybe yeah, exactly. cockroaches might be more your concern.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, the, the movie definitely appeals to, uh, the general demographic. I mean, your, your Bill Gates may not get this movie,
1: oh.
0: but your general audience would, I think. And I think it, it has scares for the kids. I think it's a kid-friendly, scary movie. Okay. I mean, maybe, for some people, they may not for want to some, show their five yeah,
1: I mean, it's.
0: <laughs> I think it's fairly innocent. Yeah, I, mean... I think it's scary, but I don't think, it, I mean, there's not Fair. excessive swearing and blood and gore and stuff. It's so generally stuff you might What's... not want to show your kid. You know, if I had a kid, I'd probably hold his hand and watch it and be like, yeah, we're just going to go through this together. It's a scary movie, but, you know, you're not going to be, bothered by it and i, yeah,
1: I like that a lot i'm gonna to have to try to take that not bothered me it's a great distinction right well you're right that it, it's one of those that maybe is isn't the best gateway horror but it is definitely a, a good rite of passage you know you mm-hmm. get somebody who's like so have you seen are you afraid of the dark yet have you yeah. seen a couple episodes of tales from the crypt okay where are we on this hey maybe we will watch a friday the 13th just to get you warm up right But Insidious is a great way to really start. Like, okay, if you can handle this, we've got a lot more movies we can show you now.
0: Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a step above your uh, like, '80s (laughs) haunted house stuff. I mean, the like the Changeling and stuff like that. Just like those old '70s haunted house movies are just so bad. But it's definitely a step above that kind of stuff. But yeah, I I think it's it's uh, accessible. It doesn't gatekeep any type of ideas or no. themes or anything. So I think a, a younger person could enjoy it. I think maybe the, the 10 to 13 range would have a fun time with it.
1: Yeah. And I think they had that in mind too. I think it's a nice mm-hmm. little family horror film. Uh, I like that the image that you've put together, you know, holding the hand and letting them understand what they're watching. And in a way it, it's in the film itself, that fun factor you were talking about, but also the wholesomeness. Yeah. I think one of the mm-hmm. most beautiful things for me in the film, was the fact that it's a loving family. There's no sign of them yeah. going to get a divorce or that they hate their kids or anything <laughs> like this. There's no dark right. past they have to deal with. It's just even like there's a lovely moment when at is first there and she's like, you have, you got to trust me now. And that's when Josh mm-hmm. goes, I had enough. I, I think we're getting into the point where you're about to ask me for money. I can't deal with this. Right, so, right. You know. But she in Renee just says, like, you don't believe me. And normally you would have this is the moment. You're like, okay, here we go. We're going to get asshole husband, skeptical guy. (laughs) He's about to, you know, he's going to be Mika in paranormal activity. How is he going (laughs) to balls this up? And he just goes, like, I moved houses for you. And he doesn't blame her. He's like, of course I care about you and I,
0: I believe you. I just,
1: it's because of that that I don't want us to get duped. And I'm like, damn it, that's good.
0: You know, he's in his own mind. He doesn't. You know, he's not convinced yet. He's still trying to be a good husband and father, but he's just not convinced that you know demons are attacking the house yet. And that's you know that's valid. I kind of you know I sympathize him with as a character, both him and the wife. I'm like, you know, I see both. Obviously, I sympathize with the wife because I've seen the demons myself. But I can understand where Patrick's coming from. You know, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm not going. What this guy's a fucking jerk. He won't listen to his wife. But I'm like, it's it's understandable to be a little skeptical about this stuff. You know, and he takes time to you know, visit Dalton and look at the drawings and stuff. And he comes around and it's, it's a wholesome moment. And I think that's, that's really the heart of the movie is the fact that this family is like, they may not always see eye to eye, but they come around and still support each other. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're both willing to sit around a table with a lady at the gas mask on to, to help their kid. And I think, <laughs> you know, any other movie would have the the dad walk out and go, I'm, I'm going to see the mistress. You deal with the demons or something. And it's like,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, he stays late after school constantly And then you think, Oh no, he's staying late after school. What most movies would have had some of fair.
0: Yeah. And I love how he's just too scared
1: to go home, he's tired. That's it.
0: Yeah. It's fair enough, man. It's a valid reason.
1: You know, if my alarm's going off almost every night, you just want to get some sleep at work, don't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's like, man, if they give me if they had given me a reason to hate any of the characters, I think it'd be just not a very good movie. (laughs) Or it would be a shame that a lot of good scares are hidden in such a, a really depressing movie. It's like you I mean with like. Thank uh, you. Yeah. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start using hereditary as, an, as my bar example for everything. But it's like you have all these like in family fights and screaming matches and stuff. And it's like, man, I feel so alone in this. I know that's the, probably the filmmaker's objective in that film, but I'm just like, it is. Man, if if it, if if Insidious had done something similar and just like really, you know, you know, Patrick Wilson's character was just a huge jerk all the time or something, or if the, you know, if the wife didn't care, or if the if the kid died or something, it's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think it would have really docked this movie about 10 points, <laughs> but it, it stays yeah. lighthearted. It stays wholesome. And it it retains that through the, the second chapter as well, where the family's in it together, you know, yeah. they fight to save, to save Patrick and stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a welcome breath of fresh air that, that it's a, it's a wholesome movie as well as a scary one.
1: Breath of fresh air. That was what was on my mind as well. I think that, It also comes from the fact that around that time, you know, from 2005 to 2010, a lot of your bigger budget haunted house films were either a straight up remake of the Amityville horror or a very Mm -hmm. cheap imitation of the Amityville horror. And unfortunately, the part of the formula that they kept taking were the exact beats of how the hauntings worked and they wanted to make like The Shining and the Amityville horror. So you just have abusive parents who don't give a shit about their families (laughs) who then exactly and i get the story there it's a good story you could tell Mm -hmm. like hereditary is one of those is trying to show how that negativity can lead to everything that you hold dear just falling apart and it's very sad and and, and tragic right this movie wasn't tragic this movie is really just an adventure story and if you have just this jerk this entire film who's drunk all the time and sad for no reason and getting cold and I don't know, chopping wood all the time, the way they do in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy they didn't do all that, that they just decided mm-hmm. to go, Hey, they're freaked out and you should be too. And I hope you have somebody who's as supportive as these people are for each other. Cause right? know, we're the surviving it, right now.
0: It does kind of give you a sense of courage. I think that's why maybe I thought it would be great for like a, uh, a young teen to see. Cause it, it's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you don't, like I said before, you don't feel a sense of aloneness of, of loneliness when you watch the film because everybody's so wholesome and together, you get a sense that you're walking into it, you know, with friends and that, that really keeps the attitude up keeps. And that's why I think of it as almost like a comfort movie, despite it's like horror. I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm not going to get depressed watching this. I'm not going to get sad or feel lonely after this. So I can enjoy it for the scares and the, the drama that's there and the, and the fun of it and the humor of it. And so it, it's, it's successful that way. I think
1: wholeheartedly agree. So before we wrap up then, are there any final statements that you might have about it specifically about the beauty of it? Although I, we've already touched upon it, but it just in case there's any miscellaneous information that you're like, oh, oh, I want to talk about that real quick.
0: Oh, let me check my notes. Hold on. All right. I got about a stack of papers here. Let me see. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. We've touched about pretty much everything I had written down. Yeah, no, I think uh, at the end of the day, it's a favorite because of its, for me, like I said, at the very beginning, I I approach movies from a very visual way. I like to see Mm -hmm. things. I like to experience scenarios as a horror fan, not just an artist. I like to see what the, the filmmaker can do for me as far as like setting me up for scares and, you know, showing me something grisly or scary or something. So that's how I approach movies. And I think, this movie's top tier. If we're just talking plain visually from an artist standpoint, I think it's, it's hard pressed to be defeated in the aesthetics, in the way it's shot, in the design oh. of the characters. I know slashers are making a big comeback right now. Um, the idea of the character is coming back as far as horror is concerned, where it used to be like a for a couple years now, we've been dealing with a sort of family drama horror or a, uh, a sort of corrupt horror maybe a person becomes possessed or something like that Uh or it's just like you know becomes deranged or something but the idea of like the horror characters coming back and i think that's cool and this movie is definitely not short on the horror characters (laughs) so it's fun to you know to see a the black bride and then turn the corner and see the the little boy dancing to tiptoe through the tulips and you get all of this this great smorgasbord of uh of just fun things to look at and experience and it's a it's a different experience every five minutes, and it's such a fun little tray of, of different experiences. And I think everybody, you know, for the past few years have been has been kind of down on the movie. I think it initially had a fairly strong reaction. I think people enjoyed it when it came out in 2010. But over the years, I think people have not forgotten about it, but they've kind of lumped it together with your... Uh, You know, maybe your your Annabelle creations and stuff that that might not be so hot. So it it, because it kind of launch padded the 2010 horror, which is generally not fantastic. It did kickstart it, so I think it's uh, it's it's worth going back to because it's it's not derivative of itself. It had a lot of interesting things to say as far as uh, what horror could be still. And I think it's it's worth another try. I hope everybody goes and gives it another watch and tries to watch it with an open mind. Maybe don't compare it while you're watching it to your exorcists or poltergeists. Despite its similarities, I think it's worth its own inspection. You know, you could sit, sit down after the movie and really look at it for what it was instead of what it wasn't. And uh, it's fun to look at movies that way. It's deserving of that.
1: Absolutely i have to second this please if you've been kind of down on insidious over the years because you got it conflated with something else and let's face it the conjuring didn't do it any favors considering that was (laughs) the same person kind of making a derivative film of the, the franchise that they just made right it's like a high budget version of insidious without the wholesomeness and charm in some instances i think that you know if we're not Happy with things like The Nun and Annabelle and stuff, go back and watch the original Insidious and get a breath of fresh air because you might need it. It's a fantastic film that deserves to be respected to the fullest because there's a lot of creativity there. And you've heard it here first from an artist telling you about the artistry of the film. (laughs) It's there for sure, especially in the aesthetic level. Try to appreciate that more. Well, then I think we can wrap things up. So this podcast is a part of the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. Be sure to follow the Anatomy of a Scream podcast page on your preferred podcast platform to check out more introspective, semi-academic, and fun podcasts, including The Road to Nowhere, hosted by R.C. Hara, The Scream Teens, hosted by Gory Corey and Lena, and much more. You can find more info at anatomyofascream.wordpress.com. If you are interested in more of my musings on beauty and horror, or horror in general, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore shockaholic, and you can find my written work at Ghoulish Media and Morbidly Beautiful. Be sure to keep track of the podcast on Twitter at beautyhorrorpod, and if you would like to reach out to comment on an episode, or maybe you wish to be a guest, you can reach out to beautyofhorrorpod at gmail.com. I want to thank you again, John, for finally sitting down and talking with me. I'm glad I got the time to bring you in. And uh I know it's a bit early there, but thank you so much for taking this this early day to talk to us. Uh do you have anything that you'd like to plug or maybe what are your socials? Where can people find you?
0: Uh well, first of all, thanks for having me. This has been super fun. I love uh sitting and, you know, around these parts in the South, down here in the U S there's not a lot of people that are willing to sit and talk with you about horror much. So it's mm-hmm. fun to, to get online with the community and stuff and talk. So I'm glad you had me on. Um, if you wanted to see more of my stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at J R G drawing or the same on Instagram, J R G drawing. That's, um, if I ever have any socials or anything, that's probably what I will try to make the, the handle. But for now it's Twitter and Instagram at J R G drawing. Um, all of my projects right now are secret, <laughs> so, unfortunately, cannot speak about them, but um, there will be more news in the future. So, if you want to see more, just uh, follow me there and I'll, I'll post some updates soon.
1: Bringing in the mystery yet again. So, everybody keep an <laughs> eye on John's developments. When you've seen the cover art, you know what this man is capable of. So, you definitely want to check movie, yeah. out anything he's going to bring out. And he does it quite regularly. I'm very happy that maybe like once every two weeks or so, I'll just get this random. <laughs> On my screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's back. There it is. Never gone. I'm always waiting till the perfect 2 a.m. to post my scary <laughs> you,
1: you get us good. You got the uh, insidious flair to your uh, upload schedule. So
0: thank you. Have no fun.
1: <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for joining us and talking about the beauty that lurks within the horrible. Goodbye. <laughs> squad.